Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode, we'll work through the NFL Week 6 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts. We'll also talk some beer and break down lots of bets, so to kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. Loud noises! And in a continuing theme, we've heard a lot of noise this past week about uncertainty across the league. We touched on it last week, and it looks like we're in for more of the same. We saw eight schedule changes announced last Sunday, and that's enough to make your head spin, especially when five of the eight changes directly affected the Week 6 board. It looks like a game of musical chairs with Denver being the odd team out, their bye week ended up being a full practice week. So with so much up in the air, that can wreak havoc on some teams' preparation, but the silver lining for us as betters is that all the uncertainty also comes with opportunity. Everyone's guessing right along with us right now, so all we need to do is outperform the market by just a little bit and we'll be in good shape. So to get a leg up on the competition, let's turn to some trusted sources. I've listened to nine and a half hours worth of the most prominent bettors across the best NFL betting podcast this week, and I'm here to distill that down to about half an hour of the most actionable takeaways in what's been a very actionable week. I'm going to get to 11 bets across the point spread, money line, total, teaser, and prop markets. So to get things going, let's run through the Week 6 board, starting with Chicago at Carolina. Current line as I record this Friday morning Pacific time, Panthers favored by 1.5, total 44.5, and on the Dream Preview, Steve Fezzik said he's on Carolina. He likes the Panthers' consistent improvement week to week this season after a lot of turnover in the offseason, and he thinks that improvement isn't properly reflected in this price. On the Matchbook podcast, Rob Pozzola said he's on the Bears and Drew's on the under. Rob's angle on the Bears is that it's a good sell-high spot for Carolina. They've got a lot of injuries on their defensive line. And as far as Drew's under goes, it's a step up in class for the Panthers' offense against the Bears' pass defense. On the deep dive, Drew and Andy applied both of these handicaps. Their secret podcast play was the Carolina team total under 24. And I like that notion, but the best number I'm seeing is 23.5. And 24 is a pretty key number when we're looking at team totals. On the simple handicap, Adam implied he's interested in Chicago as a teaser candidate, and that's my angle for this game too, especially with the low total increasing the relative value of each point, crossing up through 7 with the Bears. Up next, Detroit at Jacksonville. Lions favored by 3 with some extra VIG, or 3.5 with reduced VIG, total 54.5. And we had two bets on the Lions this week, Rob on the Matchbook Podcast, as well as Matt Holt on the Dream Preview. As far as Rob's handicap goes, Jacksonville was impressive the first two weeks, but the last three they've lost by 42 combined points, and not to very good teams. In Houston, Cincinnati, and Miami, Matt Holt made a similar point in his breakdown. Rob also thinks Detroit's offense is above average with Kenny Galladay back in the lineup, noting their 14th in expected points added per play with Galladay. And meanwhile, the Lions' defense, it's bad, but Jacksonville's been unable to keep up against bad defenses each of the last two weeks. Matt Holt's handicap notes the Jaguars are last in the NFL, allowing an average of 6.6 yards per play on defense. And meanwhile, with the Lions, yeah, they're 0-3 straight up and against the spread when they've led by double digits this season. But historically, teams win 90% of games where they build double-digit leads. Matt also says Detroit's schedule has been difficult so far, and he likes this as a step down in class for them, plus they should be the fresher team off their bye. On the Even Money podcast, Fezzik said he's on Jacksonville, and he mentioned what he called the rule of three, basically moving the point spread three points in either direction. Detroit at minus half a point, or basically pick him with extra vig, would seem reasonable to him, but Detroit minus six and a half wouldn't. That puts him on the Jaguars, and I think that's an interesting heuristic with the rule of three, but it might be a little too simplistic. I'm not sure it holds water. 
Next game on the board, Atlanta at Minnesota, Vikings laying four, total 54, and the Falcons closed their facilities Thursday morning after a personnel official tested positive. It was reported as many as four positive tests came in for the Falcons, but Atlanta said not all four were confirmed, and the Falcons reopened their facilities on Friday morning. On the Dream Preview, there was some crossfire between Fezzik on Minnesota and Matt Holt on Atlanta. They recorded Wednesday night when the line was Vikings minus three and a half. Fezzik's take on the Vikings all comes down to the power ratings. He has Minnesota as an average team and the Falcons four and a half points below average. Meanwhile, for Matt Holt, similar to his Detroit handicap, he says the Falcons have a bad record, but a pattern of building big leads that should work in their favor in the long run. He also likes the narrative of the Falcons being energized right after firing Dan Quinn. Up next, Houston at Tennessee, Titans laying 3.5, total 53.5. And And on the Dream Preview, RJ's on Tennessee, the line was minus 3 with extra vig when they recorded, and the hitman was on the over. RJ's take on Tennessee boils down to this line, implying the gap between the Titans and Texans is less than the gap between the Vikings and Falcons, and RJ disagrees with that logic. Meanwhile, Hitman's take on the over, it was 53 when he recorded, presumably he still likes it at 53.5. In the first game without Bill O'Brien, Houston's offense adjusted in a big way, posting the highest play-action rate of the season, and Deshaun Watson posting his highest air yards per attempt this season. The Hitman also likes that Watson ranks second in the league in yards per attempt from a clean pocket, He's below average under pressure, but Tennessee only ranks 26th in pressure rate. Meanwhile, Houston's defense ranks even worse in pressure rate, so the Titans should be able to score as well. And RJ also brought up a great point that doesn't necessarily support this pick, but I think it's worth noting. It now seems clear that the Bills were at a big disadvantage last week with all the uncertainty around the Titans' ability to play on Tuesday night due to all their positive tests. And for Buffalo, they were looking at possibly playing Tennessee on Tuesday or hosting the Chiefs on Thursday. That's a really difficult situation to prepare for. And this extends to the Chiefs preparing for the Raiders last week. They were looking at week six at Buffalo as soon as Thursday or possibly not until Monday. We had a tentative look ahead bet on Buffalo on this show if the game ended up going off on Thursday. That had to factor into Kansas City's approach before the game against the Raiders as well. So it's a subtle factor, but worth keeping in mind. The scheduling uncertainty almost always a negative for the teams involved that might be underaccounted for in the marketplace and that could mean opportunity for us as betters. Up next, Washington at the Giants. Giants laying two and a half with extra vig or three with reduced vig, total of 43. Not a lot going with this one. On the dream preview, Fezzik said he likes Washington because Kyle Allen's an upgrade over Dwayne Haskins. And that was about it. Adam on the symbol handicap did note earlier in the week that Washington could make for a good teaser leg. That's my angle here. We've got the lowest total on the board, minimal blowout potential from the Giants, so I'll be looking Washington's way as the teaser candidate. Next game on the board, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. This could be the marquee matchup of the early window on Sunday. Steelers favored by 3.5, total 51. And the line of 3.5 includes a market move on the Steelers Thursday after news of Odell Beckham Jr. being sent home with an unknown illness. All in all, we've got six bets on the Steelers, mostly at minus three with a little extra vig before the Beckham news. Presumably anybody on the Steelers minus three with extra vig would also like them laying three and a half with the uncertainty around Beckham status. Bets on the Steelers include Andy and Drew on the deep dive, Matt Holt and RJ Bill on the dream preview, that was RJ's best bet, as well as TA on the Sharp Angles podcast, and Adam on the symbol handicap. Looking at Andy's breakdown of the game, Cleveland's defense suspect behind its pass rush, and Chase Claypool's emergence last week gives the Steelers yet another weapon at wide receiver the Cleveland secondary could have its hands full. Drew added to this point, noting the Steelers' offensive line is getting healthier. That can also help neutralize the Browns' pass rush, especially with Big Ben getting the ball out fast, letting the wide receivers do their thing in space against a beatable Browns back seven. 
Andy also notes the Steelers' defense is due for some positive regression after the Eagles went 10 for 14 on third down last week. The 29 points Philadelphia posted could be more noise than signal. Moving on to Drew's breakdown of the game, he says Kevin Stefanski is coaching very well in Cleveland, but the scheme, a bad matchup in this one. The Steelers have a strong run-stopping unit, and against the pass, the Steelers get pressure. This could fluster Baker Mayfield and cause some turnovers. RJ made a similar point, noting Mayfield has only been pressured on 16% of his dropbacks this season. That's fifth best in the NFL, but... Pittsburgh getting pressure on 40% of dropbacks, by far the best in the league. TA made a similar point, so we've got consensus on the Steelers' pass rush disrupting the Browns' offense. Drew also notes Cleveland's without right guard Wyatt Teller. That further hinders their ability to stop the Steelers' pass rush, and he notes that while Mayfield's set to play, he's been banged up, and that transitions to Matt Holt's breakdown. With his biggest point being the Mayfield rib injury, not fully accounted for in the marketplace, Adam made a similar point on this, and Matt says he thinks Cleveland's overrated, he's high on the Pittsburgh defense, especially in this matchup. He made the line four before the Beckham news. TA said Pittsburgh's defense can be all or nothing. They're number one in adjusted line yards, pressure rate, and sack rate, but they're also allowing a high average depth of target and a lot of big pass plays, so if it's going to be feast or famine, TA's expecting the Steelers' defense to feast in this matchup against Mayfield. Adam also implied he's on Pittsburgh, noting the injuries beyond Mayfield and the uncertainty around Beckham. There's Jarvis Landry having missed two practices, and Kareem Hunt being limited could be an uphill battle for the Browns' offense on Sunday. On the Even Money podcast, Fezzik and Ross Tucker both going the other way, taking Cleveland plus 3.5. Fezzik's handicap said the teams are close in his power ratings and home field advantage isn't worth much. He also said the Steelers' defense isn't as good as expected this season, and I think that's true if you expected last year's production, but we knew they'd regress a little bit. And Fezzik also says Big Ben's only been serviceable in his comeback this season, but that might be all it takes when you've got such a dynamic supporting cast. Next game on the board, Baltimore at Philadelphia, Ravens laying 7.5, total 47.5, and And on the Matchbook podcast, Drew said he's on Baltimore. He said the Eagles' defense is vulnerable on seam routes, and that's Lamar Jackson's strength in the passing game. Meanwhile, Suma weighing in, noting the Ravens' pass game has taken a big step back this season. The Eagles are poorly equipped to hold it in check, but better opposing defenses may present value-fading Baltimore moving forward. Rob also noted that Lamar Jackson, likely less than 100%, he missed two practices last week with a knee injury, and then threw 37 passes while only rushing twice in last week's win over the Bengals. On the Deep Dive podcast, Andy's withdrew on Baltimore. They took the Ravens minus 7 on their Sunday Periscope when lines opened. They still like this at 7.5, and, and on the Deep Dive handicap, it came down to the Ravens' defense being dominant, while the Eagles still dealing with a lot of injuries at the skill positions, and Carson Wentz struggling so far this season. I like the matchup for Baltimore in this one. Rob's question around Lamar Jackson's health does give me some pause on laying the points, so I'm happy to put the math to work and tease the Ravens down through 7-3. and three. Up next, Cincinnati at Indianapolis, Colts laying 8, total 46.5, and, and this one's still on the board right now after apparent false positives for the Colts came in on Friday morning. One player, three staff members tested positive, then soon after tested negative, so it looks like this one's currently slated to go. On the Dream Preview, Fezzik said he likes the Colts as a teaser leg. On the Even Money podcast, he and Ross took the Colts in a teaser along with Miami, and they got a good number with Miami that's no longer in typical teaser territory, with six points not enough to cross through three anymore. 
anymore, we can get a little creative and work the Dolphins into a different teaser. Meanwhile, I do like the teaser angle on the Colts as the clear better team at home needing to do little more than win outright. Up next, Denver at New England, Patriots minus 9.5, total 45. On the simple handicap, Adam implied he likes Denver. He sees a slow pace and the low total making this an even bigger number for the Patriots to try to cover. And I'm not interested in laying the number. Instead, I'm looking to make this part of my first 7-point teaser of the season, getting the Patriots down through 3. But that depends on this game being played as scheduled. New England canceled practice on Friday after a new positive test. So this one ties right in with the continuing theme of the season so far, rolling with the uncertainty. Moving on to the second window Sunday, Jets at Miami, Dolphins currently laying 9.5, total 47. On the Even Money podcast, Fezzik and Ross use this as the second leg of a teaser with the Colts. They got that good number with the Dolphins, but I'll still be teasing Miami at this number, having to buy 7 points to cross through the 3, but I don't mind doing it with the Patriots is a good fit to pair with Miami. Up next, the premier matchup of the two games in the Sunday late window, Green Bay at Tampa Bay, current line at Pickham or Packers minus one, total 55 and a half, and we've got a lot of action to work through on this one. Three bets on the over in this game, those came from Rob, Suma, and Drew on the Matchbook podcast, two bets on the Packers, Dave Estler on the Dream Preview, and Andy on the Deep Dive, as well as two bets on Tampa Bay, TA on the Sharp Angles podcast, and Fezzik on the Dream Preview. Looking at the over, the total was 54 when Matchbook recorded, so some value's been sucked out of the equation, but there still looks to be a decent bit left. Rob's handicap leads off with the Bucks likely getting their first full game with a healthy Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Suma made a similar point in his breakdown, and Rob also likes that even though Green Bay cornerback Jair Alexander is great, he can't guard both of those receivers. On the other side of the ball, Green Bay's offense will benefit from Tampa Bay missing Vita Vea. He's an elite interior defensive lineman, something Drew underscored as well. Suma's breakdown of the over led off with Tampa Bay's offense. Tom Brady, one of pro football focus's top-graded quarterbacks this season, and a step down in class this week from the Chicago defense to the Packers defense. And on the other side of the ball, Suma says Aaron Rodgers is playing really well. He expects Green Bay to put up plenty of points also. Drew's handicap leads off with Tampa Bay having a weak run game. The Bucks likely won't be able to run out the clock on the ground if they have a lead late. And when the Packers have the ball, the Bucks' defense is susceptible over the top. Aaron Rodgers well-equipped to take advantage, especially with Devontae Adams likely back in action. Overall, Drew likes the quick strike potential for both offenses in this one. Looking at the sides and starting with the Packers, Dave Essler and Andy both back in Green Bay. Dave likes the Packers on the money line up to minus 130. That line has moved against him since he released this bet, but he sees the Tampa Bay injuries as a big deal. No OJ Howard, no Vita Vea, and Dave also thinks the Bucks' wins have been underwhelming considering the opposition this season. He thinks Tampa Bay is overrated because of Tom Brady's name recognition. Andy likes the Packers at Pickham because of the Rodgers renaissance this season, back in MVP form, and getting Devontae Adams back should only help. On the Tampa Bay side, we had T.A. and Fezzik. T.A. looking at Tampa Bay plus one. He says Green Bay's had a really lucky scheduling draw so far this season. They faced the easiest slate of opposing rush defenses based on success rate and the fourth easiest slate of opposing pass defenses. On the other side of the ball, the Packers have been dodging number one wide receivers left and right. They didn't have to deal with Michael Thomas or Kenny Galladay. Julio Jones sat out most of the week four matchup with Atlanta. And in this one, Godwin and Evans both looking good to go. Plus, the Packers' defense getting the third lowest pressure rate, and Tom Brady ranks 13th in the league from a clean pocket so far this season. 
Fezzik looking at Tampa Bay Pick'em, he said the Bucks outplayed the Bears in the loss last week. That misleading final doesn't warrant a downgrade, and I agree with that point. Tampa Bay outgained Chicago by more than a yard per play. Fezzik also says the Packers have a big step up in class against the Bucks defense. I generally agree here, but no Vita Vea on that Tampa Bay defensive line could loom large. And Fezzik's last point in the handicap, the heat and humidity give an edge to the Bucks. Lastly, on the Even Money podcast, Ross and Fezzik used Tampa Bay in a teaser, pairing them with the Cowboys, and they got a good number with the Bucks no longer in teaser territory. Moving on to Sunday night, Rams at San Francisco. Rams currently laying three with extra vig, or three and a half with reduced vig, total 51 and a half, and lots of action again in this one. We had five bets on the 49ers. That would be Drew, his best bet on the Matchbook podcast is on San Francisco, plus TA on the Sharp Angles podcast, Andy on the Deep Dive, RJ on the Dream Preview, and Adam implying a like on San Francisco on the Simple Handicap. There was one dissenting opinion on the Rams, and that came from Matt Holt on the Dream Preview. And on the total, we also had three looks at the over coming from Zuma and Rob on the Matchbook Podcast. That was Zuma's best bet, and Adam also implying a like on the over on the Simple Handicap. Looking at the Niners side, again, Drew, TA, Andy, RJ, and Adam all on San Francisco. With this being Drew's best bet, we'll lead off with his handicap. This is the Rams' fourth road game in five weeks. Three out of the last four have been on the East Coast. This is a brutal travel spot for the Rams, even though they're staying in California. And the Rams' defense is all stars and scrubs. Suma brought up a similar point when breaking down the over. Drew likes it for the 49ers side because Kyle Shanahan can scheme accordingly, especially if Jimmy G is healthier this week. And Drew also notes we're seeing a major swing from the look-ahead line of San Francisco minus 3 to the Rams minus 3, 3.5. That's an adjustment we don't see too many times in this season. Adam and TA made similar points here regarding the big adjustment, quite possibly an over-adjustment in the marketplace. Drew admits the San Francisco defense is a concern, but he likes their offense to keep it competitive. He notes the Rams have faced a soft schedule so far. That's another piece of Zuma's over-handicap. And overall for Drew on the 49ers, it's a buy-low spot, while it's a sell-high spot on the Rams. TA adds that he likes the 49ers because their linebackers are good in coverage. Jared Goff uses a lot of short and intermediate passes, so the Rams don't have a big outside threat to exploit the Niners' secondary like Miami did last week. And on the other side of the ball, the Rams' linebackers' awful in pass coverage. That could open things up for George Kittle and the San Francisco running backs. Andy likes the 49ers as an overreaction from Jimmy G's bad performance last week. And for RJ, it's largely a fate of Matt Holt's handicap on the Rams, which begins with a trend that the Rams are 15-5-1 against the spread their last 21 games in division. I agree with RJ, that trend seems like a shaky foundation for a bet like this, but I like Matt's second point better. The 49ers' injuries are historically bad. Fezzik weighs in that he agrees with this when looking at the Niners' defense, but he pushes back a little bit, noting the Niners' offense seems to be getting healthier, and that point ties in with Suma and Rob looking at the over. Again, this was Suma's best bet. He thought the total should be 54. When the 49ers have the ball, he sees recency bias involving both teams is holding this total in check. San Francisco's offense unimpressive the last couple weeks, but they've been using backup quarterbacks. They may well have rushed Jimmy G back last weekend. Zuma expects Jimmy G to look healthier this Sunday. And Rob noted the 49ers offense can use its good east-west scheme with George Kittle as an edge against the Rams' weak linebacking core. Zuma also said the Rams' defense has been getting too much credit. Looking at their schedule, they've played the entire NFC East. That includes three pretty bad offenses. And while the Rams have top 10 pass efficiency numbers, that's misleading because he says they don't have a pass rush outside of Aaron Donald and they don't have any coverage talent outside of Jalen Ramsey. On the other side of the ball, Suma notes the 49ers defense is dismantled and the Rams offense is playing very well. He really likes Sean McVay using a lot of play action and pre-snap motion, so it could be a shootout in Santa Clara on Sunday night football. Moving on to Monday, we'll have two games this week. 
First up, Kansas City at Buffalo. Chiefs laying four and a half or five, total 57 and a half. And on the Sharp Angles podcast, TA said he likes Kansas City on the money line. He likes the Chiefs' two-day rest advantage, considering Buffalo played Tuesday night in Tennessee. And he also likes the mismatch in the Chiefs' favor when they have the ball. The Bills' defense, 31st in pressure rate, 24th in passing DVOA, and 25th against the deep ball. That could be dangerous against Patrick Mahomes. Plus, TA adds Buffalo's defense is the eighth most blitz-heavy in the NFL, and Kansas City offense is better against the blitz than soft coverage. On the Matchbook podcast, it was unclear if there were any bets, but there was a strong consensus for at least a lean on Kansas City, if not more. I'll note that line was minus three and a half with extra vig when they recorded. And looking at Drew's breakdown of the game, the Bills' defense has been underachieving, and they've now got injuries across all three levels. Suma said he's also down on Buffalo's defense. And on the other side of the ball, Drew said he's going to downgrade Buffalo's offense off that Tuesday loss in Tennessee. Rob feeling the same way, noting Josh Allen wasn't really pressured much, but he still struggled to move the ball. Drew said his Kansas City opinion isn't changed from last week's loss. It was a bad scheduling spot, and meanwhile, this represents a good matchup against the Bills' defense, especially with cornerback Trey White being limited or out. Drew's last point here, the Bills have a weak run game on offense, and that could make it tough for them to play ball control and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Looking at Rob's breakdown, the Kansas City defense is better than people think. The Chiefs rank 13th in expected points added per play, top 10 in DVOA, and that's come against a pretty decent opposing quarterback slate. Suma also high on the Chiefs defense, noting defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo getting the most out of limited personnel. And Rob's last point on this one, the Chiefs offense had a pretty vanilla game plan against the Raiders last week. He expects a lot more creativity on Monday in Buffalo. One more note on this game coming from Fezzik on the Dream Preview, he likes a prop bet, Total touchdowns in the game over 6.5. He says that's a lot better value than the total because we could get 7 touchdowns and still come in under the 57.5. But meanwhile, if we only see 6 touchdowns, this game's almost certainly going to come in under. I really like that logic. Feels like an element of a free roll. Overwhelmingly strong shot to win if the over comes in. And still a fair shot to see more than 6.5 touchdowns, even if the game falls under. And on to the final game on the Week 6 slate, Monday Night Football, Arizona at Dallas, Cardinals laying 1.5, total 55, and for the first time this season, we have a unanimous play, all 10 betters I listened to, on the Cowboys in some form. On the Matchbook podcast, we had a consensus play on the Cowboys' money line. It was plus 120 when they recorded. You can still get it at even money. And this was Rob's best bet. He thinks the Cowboys should be favored. He thinks Andy Dalton's the second best backup quarterback in the NFL. And this sentiment was shared by Drew, T.A., and Adam. Rob also notes the Cowboys' offense has a similar makeup to Andy Dalton's best years in Cincinnati. This is something Drew touched on as well. Rob likes that Arizona's defense is below average in expected points added per play and DVOA. Plus, they just lost Chandler Jones. That limits their ability to exploit the Cowboys' weakness along the offensive line. Looking at Drew's handicap, he mentions this could be a narrow window to get in on Dallas, because if the Cowboys win and if Washington underwhelms this weekend, the Cowboys might open in the range of minus 6 in Week 7, and that would be a great spot to look at Washington, because that's one team that can take advantage of the Cowboys' offensive line, unlike Arizona in this spot. Keeping with this week, Drew says Dak Prescott's absence isn't the most important absence for the Cowboys, noting the gap between Prescott and Dalton, less than the gap between Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, and their backups along the offensive line. And drawing a connection to Rob's point, no Chandler Jones means Arizona could struggle to capitalize on that banged-up front for Dallas. Moving on to Suma's breakdown, he notes that when we look at passing alone, Kyler Murray and Andy Dalton 
aren't all that different. Of course, Murray's really dangerous on the ground, but overall, maybe not the significantly better quarterback a lot of people think he is in this matchup. And Suma also notes we've got similar quarterbacks and similar teams. Good play callers, good offensive talent at the skill positions, but beat up offensive lines, bad defenses, and he uses this to suggest Arizona isn't worthy of being the road favorite. On the dream preview, Matt Holt said he was on the Cowboys. That line was plus two when they recorded. Matt said the Cardinals are overrated, Dalton's a good backup, and we're seeing a lot of overreaction to Dak Prescott's injury. He, too, thinks Dallas should be favored. On the deep dive, Drew and Andy took the Cowboys plus three on their Sunday Periscope. They still like the money line if you can get it at plus money, and Andy also notes Dallas makes for a good teaser candidate, and that's a good segue to the last point on this one. Even Money Podcast, Fezzik and Ross both using Dallas as the second leg of a teaser with Tampa Bay. Fezzik, among many others, calling out Dak to Dalton drop-off, not as much as the market's pricing in here. He makes that gap three points, and he also notes it's Arizona's third straight road trip. The last two have been all the way to the East Coast, so it's a bad travel spot for the Cardinals on top of everything else working in the Cowboys' favor. All right, so there you have it, the week six slate. It's a lot to digest. We'll break down all the bets in a moment, but first, it's time for a beer break. Let's dive into what we're drinking. And this week, we're drinking the first show beer without ties to a California brewery. Thanks to listener David for sending it my way. And that beer is Sticky Hands. It's classified as a hop experience ale by Block 15 Brewing Company, located in the hop mecca that is Corvallis, Oregon. Sticky Hands checks in at 8.1% ABV. And in terms of the appearance, it pours a murky golden orange, fitting given the murky waters we're navigating as betters right now. I'll post a photo on Instagram, at Props and Hops. Getting into the aroma and flavor of Sticky Hands, citrusy, tropical, floral, red resinous, restrained bitterness. It's got a full mouthfeel with a nice smooth body. Overall, really makes me want to get back to Oregon. Sticky Hands checks all the boxes. Thanks again to David for providing it. And speaking of sticky hands, let's hope some pass catchers have sticky hands with a couple overs in pocket among many other bets in the week six portfolio. Let's dig into what we're betting. 60% of the time, it works every time. And to kick off this segment, I want to call out, it's great having four out of five winning weeks to start this season. Last week's teasers came through in spades. So yes, let's enjoy these wins, but also want to keep in mind, as noted last week in the Malinsky Minute, it's all about grinding small edges over time. 80% winning weeks is an unsustainable clip when hitting 55% of our bets means we're doing great. So let's stay mindful of our bankroll, accept that the edges won't always come through. But with that said, keep digging for edges and attack them when we find them. This week, I think we might have found as many as we'll see on one card all season long. Starting off with teasers, it was a banner week last week going 3-0, including a six-teamer, and it looked extremely promising again early this week until I got whacked with the occupational privilege tax, as David Malinsky would have called it, on Wednesday. Wednesday morning, I was clicking to lock in a bet with Miami on a six-point teaser. Suddenly, that game dropped off the board before reopening minus 10, and then just a few hours later, I was clicking to lock in Tampa Bay on a six-point teaser. That line suddenly moved to pick him, so I would advise hurrying when placing your bets, but increasingly, it's all about acting fast apparently regardless of when you're placing your bets in the current marketplace. That said, I do have three teasers in pocket this week. First off, Chicago plus 7.5 at Carolina, paired with Washington plus 8.5 at the Giants. These are the two lowest totals on the board, and that increases the relative value of taking the underdogs up through 3 and 7. Second teaser, Baltimore minus 1.5 at Philadelphia, Indianapolis minus 2 at Cincinnati. In this one, we get the clear better teams and good matchups, needing to do little more than win outright. And one more teaser this week, it's a 7-pointer to cross through the 3, New England minus 2.5 hosting Denver, Miami minus 2.5 hosting the Jets. In this one, we've got two vastly superior teams, both at home, needing to do little more than win outright. 
Up next, we've got a couple sides in pocket this weekend, following the leads of Andy, Drew, Matt Holt, RJ, TA, and Adam, playing Pittsburgh minus 3.5. I think that's good to minus 115. Full transparency, I laid 3 earlier in the week, but I still like it at 3.5, given some question marks that have come up on the Brown side of things. Also following the leads of Drew, TA, Andy, RJ, and Adam, playing the 49ers, plus 3.5. I like that up to minus 120, or also like the plus 3 at minus 105 or better. This simply seems like too big an adjustment from last week. Good buy low spot on the Niners, sell high spot on the Rams. And then really following everyone's lead, Dallas Moneyline at even money or better. Simply put, looks abundantly clear that the Cowboys should be favored in this one. Also playing a couple totals this week following Rob, Suma, and Drew on the Green Bay-Tampa Bay over. I like that up to the current number 55.5, and and that would be for a slightly reduced amount after 54 was available when the Matchbook podcast recorded, but nevertheless, this could be an explosion of points with a lot of big pass plays from both teams. Also playing the Rams and 49ers over 51.5, that one's following the leads of Suma, Rob, and Adam. We should see positive offensive regression coming for the 49ers offense against a Rams defense that has some inflated stats based on its schedule so far this season. And on the other side of the ball, look for the Rams offensive scheme to take advantage of a decimated San Francisco defense. Of course, we've got to put the props in props and hops as well this week. I'm looking at Jacksonville to score first against Detroit. We should be able to find that at plus 110 or maybe even quite a bit better come Sunday morning. The Jaguars didn't work out to score first last week, but they did win the coin toss again, and they elected to receive the opening kickoff again. That option to receive the ball isn't priced into this line. I see that as a free roll, and I'm going to take it, especially when we're looking at another high total. That increases the odds of scoring in each possession, and that increases the odds of Jacksonville most likely getting the first possession. Another prop in pocket following Fezzik's lead, Kansas City Buffalo total touchdowns over 6.5. I'm seeing one line at minus 115. I really like that, and I think I'd still play this one up to about minus 130. We have overwhelming odds to cash this ticket if the game goes over the total of 57.5, and still a fair shot even if the game falls under. And the last prop this week, going back to that well, Arizona-Dallas, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. I like it up to minus 175. A lot of games fit this prop this week with so many high totals on the board, but I like this as a widely available bet for Monday Night Football. Dallas has also been really good near the goal line this season, and this is another game with a high total, indicating we should see a lot of touchdowns, increasing the probability of seeing at least one touchdown from the one-yard line. So quick rapid-fire summary, three teasers, Chicago and Washington, Baltimore and Indianapolis, and then a seven-pointer New England with Miami, looking at two sides, the Steelers minus three and a half, the 49ers plus three and a half, or plus three good at minus 105 or better, Dallas on the money line, a couple totals, Green Bay, Tampa Bay over 55 and a half, Rams 49ers over 51 and a half, and then three props, Jacksonville to score first against Detroit, Kansas City, Buffalo over six and a half touchdowns, and Arizona, Dallas, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. And last but not least, the Malinsky Minute. I've gotten a lot of good feedback this past week from people saying this is their favorite part of the show, and that's been so encouraging. If you're listening, I hope you find at least as much value in this last bit of perspective as you do in any of the bets that'll hopefully come through for us over the course of the season. This week's words from David Malinsky, it's better to have no comment than a forced comment. I heard this from Dave when we were working to develop the House of Yards podcast we did together in 2017, and his words resonate just as much now as they did three years ago. From a 
betting standpoint, I see a parallel to our biggest edge is better as being our discretion, and factoring in the house edge, you could paraphrase Dave's words and say it's better to have no bet than a forced bet. When it comes to commentary in the betting space, the volume of voices across the mediaverse, as Dave called it, has gotten mind-numbing. There's a lot of content out there, and quite a bit of it's not really any good. A lot of personality is set in their ways, so there are a lot of forced comments out there not worth our time. Good content, of course, is worth our time, and when we come across it, let's do our best to shine a light on it without tampering with it. Only add to it when adding value, otherwise amplify it and let it be. That's a big goal of what I'm doing here with Props and Hops, trying to add some original analysis only when I think it's adding value, otherwise highlighting the best of the best and letting that be. I hope that comes through when you're listening. And beyond betting, Dave's words are relevant as well, especially in the middle of a pandemic, on the heels of a massive election. There's all kinds of commentary out there. I think unless we're adding value, and most of us are probably not in a position to add value, there's no need to add to the noise. The safest bet on this week's show, tune out the noise, limit consumption to what's truly necessary. For most of us, that probably means consuming less news and information. And let's move forward in other walks of life. Odds are we'll all be much better for it. All right, and that'll do it for this week's episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this episode, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. Now let's get out there and enjoy week six in the NFL. We'll be back at it next Friday for week seven. And until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well.